listening to Sports Radio Detroit. Welcome to Grave Discussions. I am your host, Barnabas. And I am your co-host, the Double Horn Samael. Mm-hmm. And welcome to episode 70, Summer of 19. I only have one horn. True. Episode 70, bro. You'd have to, oh, yeah. if you wanted to listen to every single podcast, you'd have to binge it for almost three days straight. Yeah, that's insane. Maybe even longer than that because we've had some longer episodes, but three and a half days. Yeah, that's that's crazy, dude. Twelve days. <laughs> Been doing it for uh, about a year now, uh, over a year, and this episode actually marks kind of the anniversary of our mid-year kind of horror review. Yes. Last year, I think it was episode twenty-five. I want to say we Jeez. we did. <laughs> The, the we were just noobs. Oh, yeah. The summer of 18, where we tied in uh, the summer of 84, but we kind of talked about what's happened in horror so far in 2018. We're going to do the same thing this episode. Yes. So, uh, very excited about that. Yes. <laughs> I can tell that you're excited. So, <laughs> I mean, 70, bro. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Soon we'll be at 100, guys. So, uh, thank you for sticking around. 30 more weeks. Yep. Exactly. And we'll be here every single week that's right unless we die again (laughs) i never died technically that's true that's true so guys uh before we get into it uh in earnest we do have to give a quick shout out to our gracious host network sports radio detroit the one and only and you can find them on twitter instagram and facebook at srd sports radio detroit just look them up srd sports radio detroit not detroit sports radio that's right, and uh, we just have a very brief sponsored message, so stick around. Here at Grave Discussions, we know that addiction can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. Let the Detox Helpline help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol. Call the addiction specialist now at the Detox and Treatment Helpline 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. They're always available for you, and if you have private insurance, they specialize in finding you the right treatment. Give them a call at one 800 213 9257. That is 800-213-9257. All right, Sam. So a lot of developments, uh, as always, in the world of horror since our last episode. And this week we've got uh, some spicy stuff. First thing coming in, uh, in the comic book world, actually, where a lot of horror does exist. We don't talk about it too much, but um, this one is actually pretty important. John Carpenter going to be co-writing one-shot Joker comic book. I was really confused by this because I didn't know Carpenter was like a Batman fan. Yeah. And I didn't know he was a comic fan at all. So what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't really know, honestly. I've never uh, I've never been privy to any of that kind of knowledge as well. But hey, mm-hmm. you know, he could have like a fucking secret nerd comic basement for all we know he's just got like a life-size statue of the joker or something i he don't could know. have a turtle fetish for all we know we wouldn't know that's true yeah 
he and Quentin Tarantino just turtles and feet uh, hanging out. Those weirdos. I'll stop making it worse. Sorry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he actually did work on something before, uh, too, which is actually pretty interesting. He actually worked with Anthony Birch, uh, who he's going to be working with on this Joker one shot, on a previous comic, actually related to his films, though. It was uh, Big Trouble in Little China, Old Man Jack. So They have comics? Yeah, apparently. I mean, there's a lot of old, big trouble in little China stuff out there. You know, you just got to look for it, kind of. But Jeez, Carpenter, I fucking <laughs> love you. I don't even know you do this stuff, man. Right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, he's How got his you hands keep in this from me, bro. What else are you keeping from me, dude? He's just got to hit you up on Twitter with every announcement. He should. I love the guy. Yeah, I know. So yeah, he's uh, he's gonna be working on this comic. It's gonna be called uh, the Joker Year of the Villain Number One as part of uh, DC's larger Year of the Villain event. So that's cool, and uh, it's coming out in October, actually, so pretty soon. Next up, guys, uh, we have uh, a casting announcement. Actually, this one was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought this was fucking sweet. Yeah, uh, so we talked about Lee Winnell's Invisible Man pretty recently, where we covered that movie and the original film. We still didn't know who like the main guy was going to be, but now we know. And it's going to be Oliver Jackson Cohen from The Haunting of Hill House, a.k.a. off-brand Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah, essentially. He played uh, Luke Crane, who was the very close brother to Nell, and he was like the, the drug addict or whatever. So, uh, I mean, I I think he, he did an awesome job acting in that series, so uh, I can see it. I mean, plus he's already got that kind of weirdo demeanor. Yeah, kind of. Like, he didn't play an abusive asshole boyfriend in uh, The Haunting of Hill House, but, yeah, he just he gives me that vibe. Like, that's who we could play. You know? Yeah, definitely. So, <laughs> that's that announcement. That's that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. Next up, guys, we have now a series coming to Shudder, but uh, it's not an original series, although still a pretty cool announcement. Uh, AMC's Nose4A2, which I believe we talked about before. Yeah, we did. It's uh, months before it came out. We were anticipating it. Yes. There's a series adaptation of uh, Joe Hill's novel of the same name. And I've actually been seeing a lot of good reviews and comments about this series. And it's coming to Shudder now in August. It's pretty awesome. I saw people on like the horror groups like whiling about it. They were saying how like first it's like a bit slow and then it gets like really good. So I might just check it out once it comes to Shudder. I mean, I do have my cable box plugged in finally because... I had to plug it in to watch Scream Resurrection. Oh, yeah. And uh, now I can probably catch Nose4A2 on demand as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can, as long as you have AMC, which I think most people have AMC if they have cable. Oh, yeah. Um, then you can watch it. But if you don't and you have Shudder, you're going to be able to watch it on Shudder uh, in August, which is pretty sweet. Like, I don't have cable in my room, but I have Shudder, so I'll probably check it out. And uh, I've always liked Zachary Quinto, and anything that comes from the King bloodline is basically going to be at least pretty interesting story-wise. So I'd love to see a modern adaptation of Langoliers. That would be dope. Because yeah. the miniseries was, it was good up until you actually see the Langoliers, yeah. and they're these like fucking Pac-Man looking Nintendo 64 graphic fucking... Really bad CGI. Yeah, horrible, horrible. <laughs> I don't know if anybody could replace uh, Mr. Toomey, but... No, dude, that dude's amazingly creepy. Mm -hmm. I think if they, like, make him a bit older and not a young guy, we could cast Jack Nicholson. Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, possibly. He pulls off crazy really well. So. He really does. I mean, Jim Carrey could play him, too. Yeah. 
That wouldn't be a bad idea. Hint, hint, Hollywood. <laughs> I know you're listening. Every time we even mention anything on the podcast that we're just speculating about, mm. three months later, guess what's getting a special release? Like, oh, really? We just happen right. to know? Hmm, yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't know, man. So, guys, let's move on to a few trailers now. Speaking of creepy, we've got a trailer that we have previewed, but now there's a full trailer out for Three from Hell. So we saw the trailer from Three from Hell, and uh, what is revealed is that the three from the Devil's Rejects were not dead. They were in critical condition, and there was like a one in four million chance that they would make it out. And there's people rallying like, set them free. They didn't do it. And they're like, we're being framed or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Even though, no, we see what happened. Mm. And then the cop that got killed by Tiny from the last movie is in here still somehow. So like, it looks like no one that actually died in the last movie died. I guess not. I I have no idea. I'm not even going to try. Dude, when they rolled them up, like in the trailer, when they rolled them up on the slabs, it looked like they were like cows yeah. that went through a meat grinder. I'm like, dude, I know that it's Rob Zombie, so it's weird, but still, you know, this is supposed to be more a slightly more realistic thing. I'm assuming that there's going to be some kind of satanic shit going on. Let me be a little bit judgmental, and you have to be too for this okay. trailer. The cinematography was horrid. Yeah, it looks... Every shot was a close-up shot. If you watch 31, this camera style feels very similar so i don't know if it's the same dp or not but it's like cheap grindhouse it's yes yeah, that grindhouse very like quick zoom ins to a close-up and just shock stuff you know yeah. basically my whole thing is i don't even really care about the movie honestly my whole thing is that the movie declares itself a masterpiece in this trailer so, or someone declared it who's seen it already i mean you know rob zombie had to probably approve that shit he probably put it in there like put that it's a modern horror masterpiece yeah. right now we're fired you know and uh man that really made me just want to tombstone pile drive him let's, like let's, come on, man. let's be real his only two good movies one of them's a ripoff of texas chainsaw massacre house of a thousand corpses and then the other one he did very well i'd like to see him do more experimental horror i like lords of salem yeah yeah i thought lords of salem was, it was actually disturbing. a solid idea it was disturbing too like the ambiance in the movie, the atmosphere, the uh, it's kind of has like brainwash techniques with all the chanting and mm -hmm. all the stuff to make you feel uneasy on purpose subconsciously. Yeah, I thought I thought it was it was fine. Very uh, very Texas like monster infused witchcraft kind of. I thought it was stuff, perfect, you know? honestly. Yeah, it was for, good. Like for Rob Zombie, that was like Lords of Salem is his most underrated thing, and like. Mm -hmm kind of sad that all his other movies have to be like oh uh oh there's hillbillies uh oh they're crazy and they're murdering people and like yeah. that's that's it yeah there's no real uh like plot line that i can derive from this trailer so it's going to be a lot of just going around murdering i'm assuming and uh yeah that's pretty much what i expected so we'll see again that one's coming out September 16th through the 18th in select theaters. So be on the lookout. Um, but next up. If you want. Yeah, if you want. You don't have to. <laughs> you just saying. Yeah, you don't have to. You can watch another movie. But uh, next up, guys, this watch one's actually <laughs> pretty exciting. Um, Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Oh, my God. They're making a sequel to my favorite Scooby-Doo movie. Mm -hmm. Dude, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. That shit came out at least like... It came out on Cartoon Network on like uh, Cartoon Cartoon Fridays yeah. during like the close to Halloween time. It was October. It was the fall. 
remember I came home after school and I was just waiting for it to come on TV and I was super excited and it easily became my favorite Scooby-Doo movie. And now they're going back for some reason. I don't know why. Why are they going back? And how do they not notice that that's where they were going? Well, we've been here before. <laughs> Dude, if someone was taking me to Croatia, I'd be like, hey, I know this place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Dude, I mean, it took them like pretty much until they were almost at the dock to be like, hey, this place looks familiar, you know, as if you going into Louisiana or wherever they were uh, probably wouldn't have sparked your memories, you know. But, yeah. But okay. But anyway, I mean, it's cartoon logic, so sure. But yeah, yeet. <laughs> the Scooby gang uh, yeet themselves back to Zombie Island somehow. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeet. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> and um yeah they stumble upon the curse again and they encounter the zombies we don't uh see you know the i forget what her name was but the cat, cat lady the cat people from the uh, first one but they died right i think so yeah it's horrible got, in the scooby-doo movie people dying i know and i mean there's real like supernatural entities in this one you know it's weird because Crazy. from what it looks like in the trailer the zombies aren't the good guys this time yeah yeah, so I don't know what's going on. I feel like there's another curse or something that's happening, you know. But uh, we're gonna find out though, and it's a pretty exciting announcement. Oh, September third. Yeah, September third on digital, and then uh, if you want to get the physical disc, you can do that on October first. Oh, you know I'm doing that. Oh yeah, I want to do that too. Uh, and the last, right, let's do it. <laughs> let's let's do, it. do it. Do it. So the last trailer that we have to announce is uh, for one called The Night Hunter, or just Night Hunter. Uh, coming out August 8th on DirecTV and then September 6th in theaters and on demand. Uh, this one, more of a thriller, kind of in the realm of something like Zodiac split. Or, or Split. Yeah. So, like, there's this guy and he lures, like, sexual predators and then he, like, gives them erectile dysfunction. And yeah. then uh, he's from Shutter Island. He's a bald uh, doctor dude. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden... Uh, one of his like baits gets like kidnapped and then they track her and then they catch the guy who's one of the characters from Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. He was like the, the dude who got set on fire by Freddy and then cut up mm -hmm. and he's crazy. He's like the dude from split and that's about it. There's nothing really going on here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks solid. The atmosphere looks pretty good. The cast is definitely the most appealing part. Uh, it's got Henry Cavill, Ben Kingsley, Alexandra Daddario, Stanley Tucci, Nathan Fillion for some reason is in this movie. And I think Brendan Fletcher is the Freddy vs. Jason guy. But uh, he's a good actor. They're all pretty good actors. So I'm pretty excited about it. You know, it barely falls into horror. I think we're going to see more of that in the movie than what was let on in the trailer maybe. But uh, yeah, it has those Zodiac vibes. Uh, the article's kind of compares it to silence of the lambs sure i guess mm -hmm. um but it looks okay not bad yeah so guys that's it for the news today but stick around we've got a pretty cool uh discussion coming up next in a little place that we like to call the cult corner <laughs> And in this week's Cult Corner Boils and Ghouls, we've got uh, pretty hilarious and extremely underrated, extremely underlooked, and my favorite horror comedy of all time. Club Dread. Broken Lizards Club Dread. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually what the, 
I, I find it funny that they always put these like broken lizards, super troopers. It's always the same guys in these movies. Yeah, I mean, hey, I respect that. You know, it's a uh, commitment for sure. But they're a talented bunch of uh, people, and I think they're pretty fucking funny. Dude, they're hilarious. And, uh, yeah, Club Dread. Actually, uh, fun fact, I think the Broken Lizard crew uh, said that this was in their opinion, their funniest movie. And I, I would agree with that. I mean, Super Trooper is pretty funny. I actually haven't watched Beer Fest, but I heard that that was pretty fucking hilarious. But Club Dread just has something special. I think because it has just a legit story to it and actual... It, it's a legit movie on top of being funny. It is, and it, it has, like, really strong horror elements, too. Mm. It's not, like, straight up a comedy. Mm-hmm. It's just conveniently funny i think it was amazingly well written uh one of our favorites bill paxton plays Mm -hmm. coconut pete in my favorite bill paxton role besides bill from twister play margaritaville (laughs) uh i think you mean pina colada berg a little song that was on the market for fucking years for margaritaville but you wouldn't know that because you weren't even born yet son of a son of a bitch mother motherfucker fuck that guy (laughs) play margaritaville oh my that show was hilarious but yeah bill paxton uh, of course does a phenomenal job as coconut pete in this movie and uh yeah i mean just piggybacking kind of off of what you said it this is a legit horror movie you know this is not really a spoof in the truest sense of the word like something like scary movie for example you know which kind of just goes from scene to scene and set piece to set piece this movie actually has a lot of import, like relevant character dynamics and, and dialogue between characters. There's actually uh, a legitimate like mystery to the movie. It's really just that some of the jokes and stuff are a little over the top, but not too over the top. And this one, you don't really like get spoon fed a plot. Mm. You don't find out who's killing until the end or why or any hints. That's what I really liked. I like the machete fill uh, story at the campfire. So let's start at the beginning. The movie starts off with this fucking dude, right? And uh, he's he's with these two chicks. And they're about to have sex in like a mausoleum or whatever the yeah. fuck. And they get split open. Uh, one of them gets... One of them falls off a cliff. The other one gets her head chopped off as she's running back to safety. Screen cuts were like two hours beforehand. Everyone's pulling up to the island for spring break. We see Lars, you know, he's like the new guy. He's like going, trying to introduce himself. And that's when we get introduced to Sam, Dave, what's his name? Putman, mm-hmm. uh, Jenny. My favorite character, Juan. Juan Castillo, who went to Yale for having a sex with a goat. I lived on a farm and I got lonely. <laughs> That's what it was about. Costa Rican prison, man. That's some hardcore anal action. <laughs> Fucking Dave. Yeah. So we get introduced to all these characters and every single one of them gets something said to them and we get like a three second pause with like ominous music as they stare at the person that said it to them, giving us the hint that, hey, it could be anybody. But the first person that does that is our actual killer, who is Machete Sam. Mm-hmm. So typical hijinks throughout the movie. Uh they're at like this club it's shooting tequila out of, of water guns into people's mouths my favorite part where they're like hey hit me and he shoots the water gun with alcohol into the guy's mouth he's like jesus christ that's tequila and he runs away <laughs> yeah and then awesome. uh we see lars like fucking loves coconut pete 
he's like this like masseuse who can like touch people anywhere and make them yeah. like orgasm and then we have jenny who's like the you know the alpha female she's like supposed to be the hottest one there i like penelope a little yeah, better is i like penelope oh you are a gymnast <laughs> oh Gracias. what are you a fucking praying mantis woman <laughs> my favorite part was the maze follow the banana follow the banana yeah. i don't know overall like classic movie i don't know why it's so underlooked because like it has great horror elements the stalk and slash the whodunit aspect mm-hmm. uh we got our ahab i forget his name who's our is it hank 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 yeah. is our, hank is our ahab he gets uh put out relatively easy mm-hmm. we got coconut pete <laughs> drunkenly angrily yelling at everyone throughout the whole movie yeah. he's uh, supposed to be peaceful though coconut pete's paella can anyone guess the secret ingredient coconut pete's paella coconut yes god damn it yes <laughs> you think any money has to put up with this shit <laughs> Dude, the writing was just genius. It was probably the funniest movie I've watched. Yeah. Like, to date. And it holds up since 2004. This movie holds up. Yeah, dude. I'm, 15 years and it's still amazing. I'm just glad that, you know, it presents itself the way it does. I think I think some people might like this better if it was done in the style of, like, a scary movie. But, you know, the fact that there isn't, like, a mountain of cum exploding on fucking Anna Faris. Yeah. <laughs> you know indicates to me that this is like it's a funny movie but it's also meant to actually be like a legit horror movie and um it's cool that all the characters not only are great like i like pretty much all the characters they I all have too. their moments they're funny as shit putman's hilarious putman's yeah. like this british dude with like dreads yeah. and like he like has a thing for jenny but she's like slept with everyone besides him we got juan castillo the costa rican dude who's like super hypersexual and he's hilarious and he's like he's like the cliff master like dive master whatever who else we got we got dave he's coconut pete's uh, nephew he's on drugs all the time yeah sam is the fun police he's like really doesn't say that much throughout the whole movie uh lars like i said the masseuse penelope the shy uh girl who's on vacation and uh yeah that's pretty much all the important people and uh they all have amazing chemistry together like mm-hmm. They all look like they're real, like they actually do this. Like they're at the island with Coconut Pete mm-hmm. and all this f- hilarious shit ensues. And I really like the pacing of the movie. Uh, I like that they made their own score for this movie, yeah. which is basically Bill Paxton singing. Like my, Pina Colada Berg is one of my favorite songs ever. Apparently Jimmy Buffett actually was so amused. Uh, he did some like covers of some of the songs really? on his tours and shit. Yeah wow that's pretty interesting that's amazing jimmy buffett <laughs> likes club dread yeah i mean because the coconut pete character is basically modeled off of him you know but yeah that was cool and i was gonna say not only are all the characters sweet i mean i love the score and everything as well but in terms of the actual story and the characters they all pretty much look like they might be the killer you know like so yeah everyone it, has the potential yeah it, it does a good job of introducing all of these like twists and elements and uh just kind of pulling you in different directions and that just kind of goes along with what you said before we don't even really know who to expect as the killer uh until the very end but now like you mentioned this as well like sam is probably like the most tame of all of them from the get-go as far as like his personality goes so i wonder if that's kind of 
an early like foreshadowing him being the killer i think it is because he's not as pro-social as everyone he's just like the fun police mm. he's there to make sure you have fun he doesn't really say funny shit at all uh when we get to the mystery uh the person drops the killer drops clues on like the activities board and on everything to like let people know like what's gonna happen so uh naughty cal got tired of living on land so the three amigos took an undersea trip and were never seen again and then naughty cal like crashed so they when cliff died the pair that got sliced open in the labyrinth it said naughty cliff on him and he cracked like he crashed with like a I don't know, he crashed into, like, the thing his dead yeah. body did. So they're, like, looking through these Coconut Pete songs, trying to, like, decipher, like, what the killer's next move is going to be. And they uh, they come to the conclusion that someone's going to get killed with an octopus. Oh, yeah. Awkwardly enough, Penelope, Penelope, brings Juan some octopus. That was a really good red herring. I, yeah. I, I did not figure out it was n- not her. Like, the whole movie, I kind of suspected her the most, but, like, killer was kind of too big to be her you know what i'm saying yeah fair i mean it's it's still cool that they kind of tried to make you think that though most movies if you try to introduce like too many twists then it just becomes way too convoluted oh yeah this one uh i mean i guess it kind of was but that's that was the whole point especially since there was that element of humor in it so i didn't mind it in this movie i actually kind of liked it because it's like oh, wait, maybe it's Lars because he's a new guy or maybe it's blah, 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 you know, and it kind of just keeps you engaged. Um, so that was cool. And, dude, I mean, I thought the fucking kills and practical effects were awesome too. Like, the overall production design was great. You know what I really liked too? It did not seem like an early 2000s movie. It didn't have, like, the weird, like, tilting camera cinematography. Yeah. It didn't really have any scream or I know what you did last summer vibes. Kind of, I know what you did last summer with the hooded assailant or whatever. Sort of. Or urban legend, you know? Yeah. But I, I think it was, like, special in its own way because, like, before this, I haven't watched a movie that takes place on spring break and there's a killer killing people in this Mexican island, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I, if I watched it for the first time, I wouldn't expect that this was, like, a spoof movie or anything like that. No. I would I would either think it was a byproduct of the the scream era or just you know uh an actual slasher movie that is just funny as well yeah i think that's i would classify it as a a horror that just happens to be fucking hilarious because Mm -hmm. the people in it are just funny some people are just naturally funny like that yeah that's true i mean yeah it was just a, a great screenplay honestly and just a great horror film and it just helps that it's uh fucking funny as hell so yeah broken broken lizard man you guys are awesome yeah so i don't really have a whole lot more to say about this movie i I definitely think that there is a cult following for this and i know there is for broken lizard but if you guys haven't checked out club dread we definitely recommend that you do so uh you can rent it somewhere but i always see it around like used dvd stores and stuff like that so oh yeah everywhere I, i i bought the director's cut from ebay and like there's a few extra scenes with like sam taking a piss and the police spying on him and then like uh shooting a flaming arrow into like the boat of the cops as they're going away okay interesting there's 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 a few extra things on there and i thought it was nice to i watched the director's cut for the first time actually this year Mm. i think we watched it together i'm pretty sure oh yeah we may have yeah yeah. okay interesting i have to check it out again is that blu-ray or dvd dvd they don't have the blu-ray i'd love i was gonna say 
I'd love to see Scream Factory re-release Club Dread on Blu-ray. Yeah. I I think it would look good in HD. I I definitely would like somebody to remaster this. It would look so good because, I mean, we saw when they released, re-released Jeepers Creepers 2 on Blu-ray, how fucking amazing that looked. Imagine Club Dread. I mean, it's in a tropical place and, I mean, like, you really see it too. Like, the cinematography really shows you, like, the whole island. So, like, I feel like it would be a really good one to do. Yeah, like we said, it's a legit movie. So I I'm about to so message too. Scream Factory right now. Yeah, do it, Scream Factory. If you're, if anyone from your team is listening to this, there you go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, guys, that's going to be it for the cult corner this episode. We are going to move on to our main segment, but just stick around. We do have a few sponsored messages, and then we'll be back. Because I feel like a salad tossing might feel good. What? (laughs) Out of Bounds Detroit Podcast. Tuesday morning and Friday mornings here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Hey, Samuel. Hey, Barnabas. What's up? Oh, not much. Have you ever written a book? No, but I've written a musical. Oh, well, you can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Aha, I hear countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly 100 years to bring their books to the market. Their professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, their authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books. So, make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Do not wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author. And seeing your name in print. Uh Aha! You've already written a book. Next thing to do is make this free call now to Dorrance Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. The number is 1-800-213-9259. Again, 1-800-213-9259. Welcome back, fiends. So in this week's main segment, we are going to give kind of our our mid-year review of horror movies in 2019 just like we did last year and uh it's been it's been quite the year dude honestly i think overall at this point in the year i'm maybe a little bit more impressed with horror in 2019 than i was in 2018 i think we've actually had a lot of really strong horror movies come out uh depends not i wouldn't say a lot well i mean out of out of the big stuff that's come out i think more often than not you can say that it's been pretty good. Out of this year, let's see what I liked so far. I liked Us. Mm-hmm. I liked the, the Prodigy was all right. I enjoyed Pet Cemetery. Midsummer was my favorite. Hole in the Ground was good. Godzilla was all right. Escape Room was pretty decent. That was the first one of this year. Mm-hmm. Curse of La Llorona was a... Yeah. Child's Play was decent. Brightburn was great. And Annabelle Comes Home was okay. Yeah. Those um, are the ones I saw, at least. Velvet Buzzsaw was, okay, whatever. Yeah, that one, uh, honestly, at this point, has been kind of forgettable. I definitely wanted to talk about stuff that uh, we feel was kind of underlooked and ended up being better than we thought and stuff that maybe we had high expectations for and kind of underperformed for us, you know, stuff like that. But F- Velvet Buzzsaw, I guess I'll point out, was actually a, a pretty big deal when it was first announced. Oh, yeah, everyone was raving about it yeah. on social media. You know, it was a, the Netflix hype plus Jake Gyllenhaal and everything. Um, I mean, that dude's having a banner year, but 
you know, it's Jake Gyllenhaal, but Velvet Buzzsaw was pretty cool in concept. Definitely kind of a disappointing one to me. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it, but uh, it, it was a little hard to kind of wrap my head around everything that was happening in that movie. Not because like I didn't get it, but just, I don't know. It was a, it was an interesting experience. I'll say that much, but definitely not what I was expecting. No, not at all. But you know, it's artsy hipster horror, so yeah but we have had uh some good like art house horror come out you know we won't talk about midsummer too much just yet we gave a whole episode about it pretty much last week and we just wrote a whole review we did yeah check those things out if you haven't yet but i mean hagazusa was pretty good that one came out i didn't write that one on, on here but um that one was also like an art house horror film and one that we both pretty much enjoyed oh yeah i like the visuals I liked how each scene dragged down and made you live in it. Mm-hmm. I like the foreboding score. You know me with that fucking type, those types of movies. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I enjoyed it too. We've been seeing a lot of that. I think some just better than others. I mean, if, if we're going to talk about trends, I mean, that's, I think, definitely one of them. Something that Hereditary kind of maybe didn't start, but really kind of... Uh, propelled that movement kind of forward so now we're seeing a lot more of that slow churning art house kind of horror some of it is definitely a lot better than others a little bit more inspired like the witch in the window for example remember i, that I one? enjoyed that one I, I enjoyed it but it did feel very kind of safe yeah it was you know yeah. compared to something like midsummer hagazusa which had which took bigger risks and i feel like kind of paid off mm-hmm. for those movies more than it did for something like the witch in the window or the perfection even like i enjoyed the perfection for the most part but the ending eh, not so much but the rest of the movie definitely had that kind of vibe to it as well but at least was kind of an interesting premise so i don't know what do you think about this like trend of the the you know the woke horror or the elevated horror i think as long as it's done well like the It'll get a lot of viewers, but if it's like too slow burny and like too preachy and like there's like hidden metaphors and shit in the movie that you have to like break down, mm-hmm. I think less people will be interested in it because people people don't some people I want to say most people don't watch horror for any kind of like depth, you know, like especially like the '80s fans they want blood guts and camp, right? You know? Yeah, that's fair. Something like Book of Monsters maybe appeals more to them, you know. We talked about that I think last so. week as well. But uh okay, so let me ask you this. Considering what we've seen so far in 2019 out of like that kind of subgenre, do you think it's still going to keep going strong after this year or do you think it's going to kind of, you know, lose its popularity? I think it might lose its popularity and like it, there's going to be like a lot of those movies but it's gonna be like the really lesser looked at movies that are gonna just appear on tubi and prime that have like three star ratings it's really like hit or miss with them like Mm -hmm. one out of two people like them you know so yeah that's fair i I would say i mean art house kind of stuff in general is very niche and kind of only attracts certain types of people but kind of like what i was alluding to the more kind of risks you take with certain things as long as it's well thought out, you know, you can make a good horror movie out of it. And even like more casual viewers 
may appreciate it. Something like Mandy, I think even, you know, not quite there. It's not as slow moving and metaphorical and it does have a lot of, you know, action and blood and Nick Cage and his tidy whities and yeah. etc. But, but, uh, you know, that, that's one that can kind of more appeal to a wider group of people. I feel like than something like maybe Midsummer, which is just really out there. But, um, yeah, I think this like specific kind of, you know, that horror is probably going to die down within like the next two years because I don't see it really going as long as like the slasher trend went or even the post scream trend so much, you know, I think that something is going to have to change to make it more interesting, more appealing, but we're always going to have people. I feel like Ari Aster who are just going to do their own weird thing. I think so. I heard his next movie is going to be a comedy. Yeah. I mean, his first two movies had comedic elements. I mean, Midsummer was pretty funny. Yeah, it was hilarious. So, I mean, I I'm not surprised by that. But it's going to be, you know, nightmarish again. So, again, this is going to be kind of that more upper echelon of horror, if you will. But, uh, I mean, apart from that stuff, we saw a lot of remakes as well. A lot of uh, sequels to things. So, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. Um, I think we should just chill out with the remakes because, like, it's becoming a trend now like and it's just like i feel like it's just a cash grab i feel like the people making the remakes aren't like really like die hard fans of like the original and i don't think they're bringing anything new that we wanted to see in the original that we didn't yeah that's fair i mean really the only big ones that have been released so far this year were pet cemetery and child's play and those are fine yeah, and those were fine, but I mean, there's been a lot of announcements. There's been a lot of other stuff coming out, and obviously, ladder. Yeah, not even just in the movies, but we've been seeing a lot of that stuff happening on TV as well. Oh yeah. So I mean, it's it's definitely more than we've mentioned, but yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, every time I see one, like I get kind of excited, like a small part of me does, just because you know I kind of want to see what it might look like. In the modern day, you know, Jacob's Ladder, maybe like not so much, but you know, kind of the new Black Christmas. Like, I'm kind of interested to see what they're going to do with it. But in general, yeah, it still feels like kind of a lot, especially with, with the TV series, dude. It just feels like maybe an excessive amount. You know? I think it really is. I think, uh, I think it's because people complain too much, you know, like people want something original. And then something like Hereditary or Midsummer comes out and people just bitch up a storm. And it's like, you wanted new horror. You don't want the same fucking cliches and bullshit that you've seen the past 50 fucking years in horror. Mm. At least people say they don't, but they really do. They just want to see that in modern day. So I suggest watching Cabin in the Woods, uh, The Final Girls, Bloodfest, Hellfest. If you're a fan of the last 50 years of movies, you'll enjoy these movies. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You don't really need uh, remakes so much. I mean, hell, even us had a bunch of uh, 80s, you know, callbacks and little Easter eggs and stuff in it too. So, I mean, th- that will never die, but it's definitely an easy cash grab for some studios and things. So, uh, I don't know. Honestly, though, for what we've seen so far, I've enjoyed them more than the uh, sequels 
the oh, newest yeah. additions to, in particular, the Conjuring franchise. I think uh, one big topic for me this year has been sort of the decline in quality of the Conjuring verse franchise. Annabelle Comes Home was really just meh. We talked about that. We talked about the Curse of La Llorona as well, which we both didn't like. Oh yeah, made me weep. You know, nah. so I think that's a big topic for sure. Man, I don't know. Like, it's just they're they're picking out these weird stories, and it feels like they're just giving them the Call of Duty treatment. Like, oh hey guys, we got to put out a new movie. Yeah, Who, I think so. What do we got? Oh, the uh, Warren's daughter. Let's do it. Just release all the fucking ghosts. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And just I don't know. It just they kind of feel uninspired. It seemed like a really minor Conjuring yeah. universe movie. That's what it was. Because like, if this was like a legitimate like Conjuring three, they would not have been able to put those monsters back overnight. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> or any of those demons? Like, it would not have been an overnight thing. Yeah. You're so you're right. telling me the Warrens took forever to like put those things in that room and seal them, but these fucking kids just found a way to like make everything go back to yeah, normal actually, overnight never really thought about that yeah. <laughs> was, i mean it was like mm. really like underwhelming yeah i i would agree with that dude i don't know i i mean i still think that the conjuring 3 will be good i mean i haven't seen anything from it obviously but i have a feeling as well yeah i, I think it'll be good but these little like spin-offs ah uh, man and we saw it kind of start with the nun not so great there's that but um th that's definitely a big topic for me let's kind of dish out our uh kind of specific pick so what's been the one movie so far that uh you were really excited for but that let you down kind of the most uh the one that let me down the most hmm. not just from like the this list but just in general from what you've seen this year this came out you know come out this year Lyorona really let me down the prodigy kind of let me down the silence, I knew it was going to be shit. Yeah. Annabelle Comes Home really let me down. Yeah. That one let me down, too. I think my kind of biggest disappointment probably was the perfection, honestly. Like, with all the hype I heard about it, it wasn't quite as good as I was expecting. It was solid, but not the five-star horror movie I was expecting. So, let's go on the flip side. What about your biggest kind of surprise? What's, what was the one that... uh? surprised you the most in terms of how good it actually was compared to what you thought you were going to see uh pet cemetery for sure okay uh i thought it was going to be another whack remake that just kind of completely changes the story for a cash grab i thought child's play was good uh brightburn was a lot better than i expected and escape room i didn't go in with any expectations and it, i actually thought it was good Godzilla kind of another one of those that kind of yeah. yeah the hole in the ground I really liked kind of surprised me like I said another one of those movies I went in with no expectations not knowing what the fuck was going on and I thoroughly enjoyed it uh Midsummer was a lot crazier than I anticipated I, I didn't think it was gonna go the way it went mm -hmm. and uh honestly I've been uh have been let down that much this year so yeah that's what i'm saying i think we've had a, a pretty good year so far aside from like the few stinkers and uh, we still got a lot to come but I, I will say mine probably actually has been crawl because uh, i was kind of excited about it due to you know sam raimi and alexander aya being on it 
but uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. It was a really good creature feature, very intense. And uh, once it started going, it really didn't let up pretty much at all. Just a great kind of like survival flick and uh, had actually a lot of good horror elements and, and kills too in it. So um, I've really enjoyed that one. That one's brand new if you guys haven't watched it yet. Uh, we are going to post a written review on it, but uh, I would recommend you go check it out. And I think we've pretty much established that Midsummer has been our favorite of the year so far. So I'm not going to ask that question, but out of what's coming out very briefly, um, what are you most excited for? Uh, it Chapter 2, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, Black Christmas Remake, The Rabid Remake, The Lighthouse, and Critters Attack. Doctor Sleep yeah. as well. Doctor Sleep seems like it'll be pretty cool. Um, I'm actually pretty pumped for In Fabric. I think that that one might be like a, a surprise hit, you know? I saw a poster for that like last year. And like it, they didn't give us a release date. Now it's finally coming out. So I'm yeah. interested to see. I'm very excited. I hope it actually comes out this year. But we will see about that. It Chapter 2 also is probably my most anticipated uh, I'm excited for scary stories, as I've mentioned. And uh, I'm actually really excited for Ready or Not. I just wish that the trailer wasn't so spoilery, but uh, that one actually seems pretty cool. And maybe my other most anticipated one, other than it, is The Lighthouse as well. I think... Uh, Are you going to say Zombieland? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm excited for Zombieland, but I'm not like, oh my god, Zombieland. You know? uh, but The Lighthouse, uh, I've heard nothing but rave like critic reviews. So that one uh, I'm very pumped for. I just know almost nothing about it. But that's that's kind of cool, though. It's still keeping my uh, expectations Critters, in balance. Is Critters Attack going to be a sequel to the fourth one? Or is it going to be a um, sequel or a continuation of the new binge? It's not a continuation from the new binge. I think it's related to the movie series. Okay. But since I haven't seen anything past two, I don't really, I don't really know. I think it's either supposed to be after four, after two, if you guys know, let us know. But I think we're uh, going to move on now from this topic. Um, I'm still expecting some pretty interesting trends to come out from the end of the year. Uh, let us know what you guys think is going to happen with horror on the back end of 2019. It's promising to be a really exciting year. We've got a lot of good stuff still coming out. And let us know what's uh, surprised you the most, what's disappointed you, what your favorite movie of the year so far is. But we're going to discuss now another 2019 film, but this is going to be a brand new one out on streaming services. And we're going to let you know if you should watch it or if you should not on The Chopping Block. <coughs> All right, fiends, and on this week's Chopping Block, We've got uh, a movie that you're going to see is kind of familiar to Club Dread and even to our general theme of summer uh, in this episode. We've got a new Austrian film that we have talked about before, Party Hard, Die Young. This was one of the ones that I was excited to see. Mm -hmm. The killer resembles Legion from Dead by Daylight oh, with yeah. that smiley mask and the hood and mm -hmm. they run, they have a knife. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, this one's out on Shudder, and it is uh, kind of a slasher movie. I, I will say from the get-go, the killer costume, eh. You know, I'm not really a fan of the whole, like, teen 
killer that just wears like the hoodie and shit like yeah fucking blood fest and hell fest and all those other fests and they already did it i know it seems to be like whenever there's a like a festival or some big party that's like the get up because you got to blend in it's, I, don't, I don't like it i don't either <laughs> i don't like it and and it would be different if like the masks were cool but so far for all these killers the i don't i don't know this has been probably like the best mask and i still hated it yeah <laughs> like the overall get up was just kind of bad but you know so so i won't really say anything more about the killer that's that's whatever but the rest of the movie i mean what do you think about the general like storyline obviously without really giving anything away uh i thought it lacked a little bit of substance mm-hmm. i didn't know this was gonna spoil alert turn into like a revenge movie mm-hmm. i thought there was some just guy picking off teenagers on spring break because he couldn't get caught or something like that yeah i mean with like 80 slasher movies there is a reason sometimes but sometimes you got stuff like halloween stuff like nightmare on elm street you know where the motive isn't really immediate but you also got an interesting killer too and uh this one reminded me of like post 2000s slasher imitations where yeah it's just always some kind of like familial thing or some kind of bullying thing or revenge you know something like that and um you know not saying exactly what happens but this movie kind of gives off that vibe too with just the general group of teenagers that we have it's all these like very modern millennial like yeah uh college kids and i don't know i i guess it's just like how teenagers now have evolved i just fucking hate them more than i do too i hate any of them from the 80s even though in the 80s they were like setting people on fire to prank them and shit yeah we always (laughs) talk about that (laughs) but now they're just kind of like douchebags i i didn't find any of the characters redeemable really even the main uh like the final girl i didn't like her i didn't really like her i felt that this was one of the movies where like once i found out what was going on i was really rooting for the killer Kind of, yeah. Like, Me I too. really was rooting for him. Yeah, unfortunately, the the killer didn't really end up being very interesting at all. And I was kind of let down by that aspect. So that didn't save it for me, honestly. You know, at the beginning of the movie, I was kind of enjoying it. But uh, the pacing really kind of slowed down after that. We just got a lot of, like, procedural kind of slasher movie slash thriller movie stuff going on in the story and between the characters i don't know just a lot of really unimportant garbage like filler trash yeah you know the cinematography was good though it didn't seem like it had really hollywood cinematography it didn't seem really like an independent film like it was the only redeeming quality i would say for this film was the camera work yeah i i I still think it definitely was an indie movie and kind of resembled an indie movie but the camera work was solid the production design was good basically the film follows this group of kids from austria i think or something who go to this island for this like annual getaway party and everything on the island is cool like the snow club dread though it's no club dread but the concert uh venues that they got set up and everything were much more massive and you know pretty impressive the amount of people that they got in this movie was very impressive. So overall, the production design was great. Um, the set was great. The environment was awesome. Very beautiful. 
there's a lot of neon in this movie, which is. was pretty consistent throughout the movie, but eventually kind of dropped off toward the end. But visually, yeah, this movie was, was dope. And uh, the score was good, too. I mean, got all that, like, EDM music. But I just, I didn't like how, like, it wasn't really, like, Club Dread because, like, like a quarter of the way through the movie, they introduced that video and, like, started hinting that it could be something to do with that. And it really was. And uh, the unraveling really wasn't anything great. It was just, like, oh, okay. Yeah, it was it was pretty predictable at the end of the day, unfortunately, is, is what I'll say about that. And, yeah, I pretty much knew what was going on. Uh, not, like, immediately, you know, a little further into the movie, but you can connect the pieces. Like, it's not that hard with this one, I think. But uh, maybe you won't know exactly who the killer is, but in general, I think you'll have a pretty good idea of what the story becomes. And there just wasn't really that much else that kept my interest. The kills were really whatever yeah they really were. when they actually happen <laughs> there was just uh i don't know i i mean i don't always advocate for more like creative kills and blood and stuff like that but it would have helped this movie i think for sure i think the kills could have been done a lot better the first one was like kind of an accidental suicide and the rest of them were just kind of just nothing really over the top nothing really impressive like Usually the kills are redeeming qualities, to like shit movies. Yeah. But for this shit movie, there wasn't really many redeemable qualities. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I think they would have benefited from being a little bit more creative and assertive with the kills. But they chose instead to make a lot of those sequences seem... I don't even know. It'd be kind of a spoiler if I said it, but more like trippy than they should have been. And yeah. They tried to do a Club Dread thing where they made us almost want to believe that a number of these people were the killer and take us through all these twists and turns, but the actual like interpersonal character dynamics were not as interesting. I mean, there was no humor, really. You know, it was no. just a bunch of like douchebag kids talking all the time. And so, eh, yeah, it, this one just kind of fell off with me. It became really kind of boring after like the first 20 or 30 minutes. And so, for me personally, I, I would say you can skip this one. It's it's shot well, it's acted pretty well, but that's about it. Yeah, I would skip it if I were you, definitely. All right, so that's all we have to say for Party Hard, Die Young. Guys, if you have Shudder, I would definitely recommend you check out some other movies. But I think that's going to wrap it up here for episode 70. Uh, again, Hit us up with your favorite movies of 2019 so far, your biggest disappointments, surprises, what you're looking forward to. And if you want to talk to us about Club Dread or Party Hard Die Young, you can do so. We have uh, all of our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Grave Discussions and Grave Disc SRD on Twitter. You can also check out GraveDiscussions.net. Join us next week where we juggle fire and crush watermelons with our bare hands Ooh. on episode 71 of Grave Discussions. <laughs> <laughs>
This has been an SRD production.